This is Love Marriage Again with Dr. Siobhan, the place where wives are empowered to embrace their marriage and feel completely in love with their husbands again. If you are a wife looking to create a happier marriage by transforming yourself, you've come to the right place. Here you will be inspired to fully accept your husband, be in control of your own happiness, and create a marriage that truly lights you up inside. Now, let's get to the work of loving your marriage again. Well, hello there. It is Dr. Siobhan here. Hope you are doing well. Happy day, (laughs) whatever day you are listening to this podcast episode. It is coming out the week of Thanksgiving, which is also the week of my husband's birthday. And I was telling a client today, actually, we were talking about birthdays. She recently had a birthday and she's not a big birthday celebration person. And my husband isn't either. And it was so interesting when we first really got married, I think is when he really sort of let me know that he's really not a birthday person. I was kind of shocked. (laughs) I am a big birthday person. I want all the parties, all the people, all the presents, all the full fanfare. And he doesn't. He's happiest in the basement, watching movies all day in the dark and having a good meal and a homemade card. That's like his birthday and a cake. He likes dessert. So a cake. And I've just gotten a hundred percent on board with that. And it's so easy. And it's so like low key for me to just know exactly what he likes and exactly what to do. So curious to know for you, like, how does your partner like to celebrate? And are you accommodating? Do you sort of just make it about them and what they want on their birthday? So random little thing there, not at all directly related to what we're talking about. (laughs) which is handling trigger moments, a little bit more heavy than birthday celebrations. But this is something that I've talked about on the podcast before as a general topic and something that I will continue to talk about. And, you know, even as I think about the podcast in general, there are layers to learning, right? And I want you to just think about like, what layer of learning are you at? There's the layer where it's like new information where you're like, I had no idea that that was a possibility. I had no idea you could think about it that way or do it that way. Are you at the layer where you have some awareness, but haven't really truly applied it? Like maybe you're a passive listener to content and information and you're like all in it in the moment and it makes a hundred percent sense to you. Yet when it comes to like applying it in your real life, you haven't really begun to do much in that area. Or are you at the layer where you're aware and you are applying it and sometimes it's hit or miss. Like sometimes you knock it right out of the park And remember the information and can apply it in real time, 
or quickly after situations? Or are you in a place of like, I got this, like, this is becoming more of my norm, more of my default way of thinking and being, and you're really on the verge of approaching mastery. So I offer that because whenever we get around the holiday season, I like to just offer what a great time to sort of dive in more deeply to this podcast. I actually launched the podcast initially years ago during the holiday season because I wanted people to have something to be able to binge listen to that was valuable, right? We binge listen to or we binge watch so many things that don't actually add value to our life other than entertainment, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I created this podcast for people who were looking for more, who were, you know, not really fulfilled just watching TV on a two-week winter break. They wanted something to feed their mind. They wanted something to enhance their life. And that's actually how I even found out about podcasts, which I, I know I've talked about here before. I was nursing at the time, my newborn daughter, and I was like, I want to keep myself awake. <laughs> I've watched enough episodes of Golden Girls in the middle of the night, and I don't want to be watching TV but I do want something that's going to feed my mind and keep me engaged. And that is how I discovered the Life Coach School podcast, which is the podcast that introduced me to life coaching as a actual profession and many of the principles that I teach here. So that was another sidestep, but still relevant, right? Because I got on that track of thinking from talking about trigger moments, which is what we're going to be discussing today, which is also a topic buried in this podcast and many different episodes. So I want to start out just in case this is your first time hearing me talk about triggers with just a definition. And I'm defining triggers as an overreaction to something your spouse does or says. And what I notice about triggers is you feel it intensely. So when I say overreaction, I don't mean that from like a judgment place. I mean it from like, you feel in your body that your body is reacting intensely. And what often happens when we are triggered is we want to address it immediately. But that comes because we have a high level of emotional reactivity. We're very angry. We're very hurt. We're very frustrated. We're very sad. And so we want to address that over intense emotion in our body and we're triggered. Now, I think triggers are teachers. That is my philosophy and there's so much to learn when you are triggered But most people don't pause to sort of see what the trigger is there to teach them. They are in their emotions. And many times when we are triggered, it leads to blow up arguments with our spouses. It leads to distance. It leads you to say things that you don't mean, which it's so interesting for me to even like think about some of the things that you know, I've talked to many of you 
um, still struggle with and just how much more intentional I've become in my communication with my husband that I rarely now say things that I don't mean. And I want you to think about like, what would that be like for you? If you never said something that you didn't legitimately mean and thought about and really wanted to communicate. I think sometimes we allow our emotions to drive us to say things that we don't want to say when we really step back and think about it. So um, you also feel a lot of guilt and shame when you overreact, right? And you say things that you don't mean and you're blowing up. You feel awful in hindsight. Like that was such an overreaction. You also can, if you don't shame yourself, you get into the cycle of blaming your partner and ruminating over how wrong they are, how badly you are matched as a couple. And that feels awful, right? So when you think about the experience of being triggered and reacting out of your trigger, not much good comes out of it. Yet, this is what happens. These are the exact things I know happen because many of you tell me this is what happens. So it's not easy to handle triggers in the moment. I have one client that is always saying like, yes, I get it. This is so good. I'm on board. Yet in the moment, I have a hard time. And I want to just normalize that. And for most of these things, what you're going to want to aim for in the beginning is quicker hindsight learning, right? Sometimes you're not going to catch it on the front end, but you're going to notice it on the back and you're going to reflect and notice like, oh yeah, I could have handled that differently. I see where this emotion led me to say the thing that I said. And so hindsight learning is beautiful. And I want to acknowledge that while you're learning to sort of get ahead of it and make better choices in the moment. But what makes it so hard to manage your triggers is it really is instantaneous. Something happens, immediately you have a reaction. And sometimes it's hard to even catch the thoughts without practice that are leading you to react the way that you're reacting. Triggers are also multi-layered. Remember I said that triggers are teachers, which means that triggers tell you something about what's happening right now, but they also tell you about things that have happened in the past, whether that's things in the relationship specifically in the past or things in your own life that have happened in the past. And so there's, it's like a web of things that lead us to the experience of being triggered or overreacting or intensely reacting to a situation. What also makes navigating triggers hard is most times people miss the real issues of what's going on. So our spouse says something, we're triggered, and we think that's it. But again, it's multi-layered. And so when you're not willing to look deeper within yourself and like reflect on your life and where you felt this way before and where this experience is reminding you of something else then you'll miss what's really happening for you. You'll only think it's what your spouse said or what your spouse did. And that's never the case. There is 
a therapist that I've heard, his name is Jim. I know that that's his first name. I can't remember his last name. He is the therapist of Lisa Turkhurst, who is the founder of Proverbs 31. But anyways, so he has this phrase that says, if you're hysterical, it's historical, which means that if you have a very intense somewhat hysterical reaction to something, it is because it is triggering something historically within you, something that has happened in the past. And so when you're not looking for your trigger to be a teacher, you miss that. And you keep getting triggered because you haven't learned the lesson that it's trying to teach you in the first place. Triggers also put you in like this fight or fight response where you're having this intense emotional reaction and either you shut down or you fight. Many of my clients get into the fight part of this, which looks like they're trying to aggressively control the situation. They're trying to get their partner to do something different, to be something different, to say something different because they are experiencing an emotion that is uncomfortable for them. Okay. So I want to offer you some things to do right? Like the title of this is Managing Trigger Moments. So I'm going to get to the management part of it. But before we dive into those steps, I want you to really anchor yourself in how you will feel when you are able to manage your triggers better. Like what are you expecting to be different for you if you're able to manage your triggers? I know for me, it's peace and calm right? We want to exist in this state of like being unbothered, being unshakable, where it's just like, all right, this is happening. I'm ready for it. Let's move through it. But for you, what is it? What will be different for you when you have actually learned to manage your triggers in a way that you feel proud of, And that's healthy and serves the kind of marriage that you want to have. So here are the steps. There are five of them. I feel like I'm always giving you five steps of something. My brain thinks in processes. This is the doctorate level in me. I'm just so conditioned academically to think in processes and steps. So the first thing I want you to do is seek to understand what's happening for you, right? Take your eyes off of what your partner did, what they didn't do, what they said, what they didn't say, and look inside yourself. And I want you to ask, what am I feeling and thinking? Simple as that. What am I feeling and thinking right now in this moment? And I want you to name the feeling And I want you to identify the thought that's creating it. I remember, and this was a small thing that happened recently, just being able to catch my own triggers where, you know, I cooked dinner for my husband and, you know, like made his plate and I made green beans, which I often make green beans. And he was like, oh yeah, he's like, I don't really like green beans. (laughs) Now, mind you. We've been married for over 10 years. We've been together for over 15. So I was like, what? (laughs) Part of me was confused, 
But part of me felt rejected because rejection is one of my trigger emotions. And so I noticed it. I felt it in my body. It was an intense reaction. I know exactly what rejection feels like. It's like a heaviness in my face, a lump in my throat, a little ache in my heart. And I didn't say anything because I've learned to not always react out of my emotions, but I felt it and I named it. I was like, this is rejection. I'm feeling rejection right now. And then I thought about why. The reason I was feeling rejected in that moment was because my cooking for him is an act of love, right? It's like, I love you. I'm going to make your plate. I want you to enjoy this food that I cook because he cooks zero. (laughs) So I take pride in being able to offer that to our family, to him. I love when people enjoy my cooking. And so I knew exactly why I was thinking that. And just that alone helped me navigate and manage myself in such a way that I didn't need to say something smart or sarcastic or potentially destructive back to him. I was just like, okay, right? So again, thinking about like, what would it be like for you to just be able to name what's happening for you and identify the thought and not be the end of it? Like, it's just like, okay, good. You got it. You got the memo. Great. We can move on now. How much more time would you spend like enjoying your spouse and not arguing with them? Probably a lot more, right? So that's number one. Number two is you have to be able to separate the internal versus the external threat. I heard this very recently. I don't even remember where I heard it from, but as soon as I heard it, I put it in my phone because it is so exactly the thing, right? It's so exactly the thing that many of us have a hard time doing. And so what I mean by this, being able to separate the internal versus the external. So the external is what your spouse is doing. That's the external threat to your happiness in that moment. Let's just say they said something, they didn't say something, they did something. And because of that external thing, it's a threat to your happiness. Versus internal is what you tell yourself about it. What you make it mean that they said that. How you interpret it. The story you come up with in your own mind. And part of the way of separating and sort of like teasing out, is this them and the external circumstance or is this me, is being able to look very objectively at the external circumstance. And again, the external circumstance is just your partner, what they did, what they said. And so when you are teasing apart the external, you have to be objective and factually accurate. And this is where so many people go wrong. What I mean by that is it's the difference between saying, he's ignoring me, I'm not a priority, versus he works 15 hours a day. You see the difference there? It's objective and factually accurate that, in this case, your husband works 15 hours a day. Yep, we could like look at that, observe it, 
tell the truth about it. Versus we can't prove that he's ignoring you. We can't prove that you're not a priority. That's the story that our brains layer onto it. That's the meaning we give when a partner works 15 hours a day. I'll give you another example. So a husband may say, she's such a complainer. She complains all the time. I can never do anything right. Versus she doesn't like when I don't follow through on deadlines. You see the accuracy and the specificity of that second part. She doesn't like when I don't follow through on deadlines. Like that is much more objective than she's such a complainer. I can never do anything right. So you've got to get your story straight. You've got to be accurate. You have to separate the external factual threat versus the internal threat that you were creating based on your own thinking and own perspective. Okay. Now, this third step is about you being loving and compassionate with yourself. Because once you can tease apart, like, okay, well, what they did is only a small part of it, like, but this is really me. (laughs) This is really my sense of like rejection that is in this moment, but also like 40 years in the making from all the life experiences I've had where I felt rejected from the party I didn't get invited to, to the time my dad wasn't there when I wanted him to be, to the time someone didn't return a phone call, right? You just go down the list of all the ways all of us have been rejected in life. And once you see that, once you see your own trail, I want you to just pour so much love and so much compassion and really open yourself up to healing that part of your heart. Because that is why you're so triggered, right? When it's not a deep wound, there's not a deep reaction. I want you to hear me. I'll say that again. When it's not a deep wound, there's not a deep reaction. You might be bothered. You might be annoyed, but it doesn't like pull on you like things do when you're actually triggered. And so triggers are teachers to the parts of our hearts that still need to be healed. And for me personally, as a believer, I do this in a couple of ways. One is just the thought work, right? And really thinking intellectually and logically about what's true and what's not true. But there is a spiritual aspect of this to me where many times when I'm struggling with an emotion... I will just take it to God. I will just sit and listen to some nice, soft instrumental music and just like give a meditative prayer to him of like, just heal my heart. I'll put my hand on my heart. I'll close my eyes and I'll just like invite the Holy Spirit in to just heal that part of my heart that is so achy, that's so hurting, that my spouse just bumped up against today, right? Or whatever day it happens to be. But this is really, for me, where I connect with God about this, right? He, for me, is the ultimate healer. And so when I can recognize what's happening and then surrender it to him to heal, right, then I don't need to react so quickly. I don't need to do anything about it because I know that I'm being healed of this. And so something that is, you know, driving me nuts 
can just be a minor annoyance. Okay. Step number four is once you've like settled yourself down a little bit, you can really begin to uncover what is the real desire here. Again, triggers are teachers. So it's showing you what you want instead. And so you have to ask yourself that question, like, what is it that I really want? What is it that I truly desire in this moment that I'm not experiencing that's creating this challenge for me? And it's important that you uncover the desire because most times when we're triggered, it comes out as a complaint. You never spend time with me. You never compliment me. Nothing is ever good enough for you, right? And so when you flip that and you're only looking at what you want, that becomes, I want to spend more time together. I want to feel like I'm a priority. I want to know that I please you and that the things I do are appreciated and valued. And I want you to think about how might your partner respond if you say, I really love spending time with you. I want to spend more time with you versus you never spend time with me. You never plan anything for us to do. What's going to be more motivating? can tell the answer, right? The latter. Just try it if you haven't tried it before. And then the fifth thing is expressing that desire to your partner in a vulnerable, loving way, right? There's a difference when we get to the desire part of, I really wish you would plan a date night versus I really wish we could plan a date night. That would be so fun, right? So you want to lead with love in this request because what you're wanting in your marriage is all about love. Everybody's wanting to feel important and valued and appreciated and loved and cared for. And so you want to make sure that when you're articulating your needs, you're doing so in a way that's inviting and welcoming, opening the door for love to come in, not pushing it away because you have an attitude because you're overreacting. Okay, so those are the steps. Understand the trigger and what's happening for you by naming your feelings and your thought. Separate the internal versus external threat, being very objective and accurate. Pouring love and compassion and healing on that part of your heart that's hurting. Uncovering the hidden desire and framing it in a desire, not a complaint and then expressing that desire to your partner with vulnerability and love. So there you have it. Handling trigger moments. If this is something you would like more help with, if this is something you would like to work with me directly on, in addition to lots of other things that get in the way of you having the kind of marriage that you want, I invite you to take the next step and book a complimentary call with me to discuss my six-month private couples coaching program. We will have the opportunity to have a two-way conversation where I can hear exactly what your triggers are, as well as other things that are happening in your marriage that aren't working for either you or your spouse. We will talk about how to make things better. I will map out a very specific plan for you 
And then we'll have the opportunity to decide on that call, yes or no, if you will be moving forward and working with me one-on-one. So to do that, you'll go to my website, drshavon.com, D-R-C-H-A-V-O-N-N-E.com. And you will click the work with me tab. There will be a link to schedule your appointment directly into my calendar. And I will meet you there on Zoom. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will be back with you next time. Now, if you loved this episode, you will want to download a free resource I created called 13 Beliefs to Hold On to When Marriage Gets Tough. Download it at bit.ly forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. And of course, I will be back with you next week. Until then, commit to loving your marriage again.